What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Director Showdown. It's your boy, it's me. I don't I mean, we keep running out of introductions. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's the same one, it's man. The same it's the, thing. It's, the cl- it's a classic. It's the same thing. I mean, you're supposed to like draw people in at like the first 10 seconds, because if they don't like it, they're just gonna they're just gonna they're gonna turn it off. Imagine you know doing that exercise with our podcast. Like, let me listen <laughs> like to first. like the first fifteen seconds of each episode. Yeah. Welcome back, guys. It's your boy. Welcome back, guys. It's your boy. It's just every single episode. And then you're always like back at it again with. Listen, so we're back at it again. Back at it again. I mean, it's funny to think of like you could have never said that on the first episode though, which is funny. That's true. What if you did yeah. say that? That would be some weird temporal we go back. stuff. No, we shouldn't go back. I no. don't want those early episodes. I don't want to listen to those first. <laughs> I feel like at some point in our careers, we should like take those down and then just redo those seasons. <laughs> we probably, I mean, we've talked about that, about kind of like redoing the first season because mm-hmm. there's still so many movies that we haven't seen. Or we should just keep pumping out episodes till they're just completely drowned out and no one. Like no one will ever start the first like <laughs> yeah. season, you know. We'll we'll just casually delete them off the internet, and the first episode will be like Reservoir Dogs, and, and then, then maybe put, yeah. one person will notice and be like, "Hey, um, is is that your guys' first episode?" It's like, "Yep." And just <laughs> say one. if you want to listen to practice podcast, you can just subscribe to our Patreon. And <laughs> ah, and that's where all like twenty eight. I know. <laughs> we're original. We're like showing our cards to the audience right away. Yeah. That's how we do it, man. Yeah. That's how we do it. I'd love to hear you do Kub- uh, Kubrick and Spielberg again and just, we, just do Strange Love. Because I know you didn't do Strange mm-hmm. Love that first season. We really do yeah. need a... We skipped over... When I look at the movies that mm-hmm. I picked for Spielberg, I'm truly like, what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> There was something going on idiot? there, yeah. I was trying to be fucking edgy and be like, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about fucking Munich. And we're going <laughs> to talk just like dumb it. as hell. You should have just embraced his shit. I mean... Like Jurassic Park yeah. wasn't even on there. E.T. wasn't on there. Just God. dumb as hell. Stupid. I mean... <laughs> Catch Me If You Can would be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great movie. For sure, yeah. I mean, he has a lot... I mean, and Kubrick, too. Kubrick has, like, plenty of great... Like, The Killing. The Killing We talked about so going good. back and doing yeah. that one. Like, that one's great. Mm-hmm. Spartacus. Never seen yeah. that one still. I never, so. I've never seen Spartacus. Yeah. yeah. But that's the one that was responsible for his whole career. So. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Because Kurt big, Douglas. Big. Hey. Douglas. Douglas. You might be hearing some more Douglas in our Patreon. Douglas, how does that relate? Okay, we'll talk about it off. Yeah, mind. but yeah, hey, <laughs> oh we'll plug God. that. We'll plug that at the end. I'm excited for that. Our, am I, am I crazy? No, the elusive man. He's um fucking um. 
Oh, oh, you're yeah. talking about the actor. Yeah. No, no, no. He's not, he's not a Douglas. He's not a Douglas. He's a Sheen. That's Martin Sheen. Oh my Sheen. god! I always That's get so Sheen. Confused. I was like, what? <laughs> I always get Sheen and Douglas always messed up. They're very close. No. Yeah, I Sheen always... and Douglas are real close. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. we're talking to the much. president of the United States here, Adam. <laughs> Martin Sheen himself. But if you guys haven't noticed, we have a guest on again, and yeah. he's a he's a recurring guest. Mm. Uh, Hey, Eric. How's it going, man? It's going all right. Welcome Thanks for back. having yeah. me on. Yeah. What, what brings you to um, to this season? Like, what's your kind of, like, relationship with Snyder and even uh, Michael Bay? So mm-hmm. I, I think that they – it's so funny because I feel like I've gone through so many different phases of liking them unironically, ironically, oh, and now yeah. just appreciating <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, what yeah. they do. And I – like. The Rock is one of my favorite action movies of all time, and I still, to me, that's that's pinnacle bay for me. Uh, even if it's not his best movie, it's just my favorite. Mm. And Snyder, I feel like I I went into Three Hundred not knowing who he was, and by that after I got out of the theater, I wanted to see anything else that he would do. And you know, I I am apolog- an apologist for the watch. I know a lot of people have a lot of criticisms about it, Woo! so I'm glad that I'm on this episode. Brennan and I were, were were talking about how is Eric gonna be on watch? <laughs> I, I yeah, it's a I, very even split with people. I think. I think you so. Uh, the fact that you picked it made me think that yeah, you were yeah. a little more kind of on the on the digging it. Um, I uh, you know yeah. I it'll be interesting to talk about. I I didn't dislike it. I'm not saying that, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah, to talk about because sure. the way that I see your posture, Brent, in this is that you're a little bit more apprehensive than enthusiastic, which is not. Exa- I mean, I'm not going to fault that either because yeah. there are. It's not like a perfect movie, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think that'll add to some spice because I think I think we should all be aware of these flaws about Watchmen and have that kind of engaging conversation about it. You know, mm-hmm. instead of just having like the Armageddon, where we we all know that movie's great. You know, Armageddon. Like we don't even have to like. <laughs> everybody argue. loves it. Yeah, everybody yeah. loves it. How could you not? You know. Um, yeah. But yeah. So uh, what el- what else have you seen uh, by Snyder? Yeah, you said yeah. you said a little bit that was three hundred yeah. your first in, and then you kind of were totally in for him. Or? Yeah, because I wasn't really into zombie movies, so I didn't see Dawn of the Dead till mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Okay, I actually probably within the last maybe three or four years. Um, but I, I really like Watchmen. I, I kind of lost interest around Sucker Punch. Mm, that, yeah. I wanted to see that Owl movie, but uh, Didn't I know he haven't got into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Like John pointed out, I said like, oh, well, he just like put his name on it, right? And it's like, no, he directed the Owl CG movie. I was like, what the fuck? Okay. I heard it was good. My brother loves it. And yeah. he's he's kind of and he's uh, somebody I go to for action movies. Um, and he, he definitely if he likes it, I probably will like it, too. Like, I've never heard of that owl movie until, like, we did this season, which is <laughs> the craziest thing about it. You know what I mean? I mean, you, yeah, you probably missed the trailers for it because they, pro- they probably were generally put in front of, like, animated movies, maybe like a Toy Story 3 or something in theaters. But... Um, yeah, I feel like I only saw like a, like one trailer for it and it was like Zack Snyder presents and it's just <laughs> like these owls who were like the coolest owls. I got Watership Down vibes from it with instead of mm. rabbits, it was owls though. So, <laughs> and then like finding out that it was pretty like, I don't know about graphic, but I, I hear it's like pretty like intense for kids. It's like a hard PG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. It was like, is it on that bridge to Terabithia level? Ooh. I heard about that movie and everyone just thinks it's like super dark or something. I've never seen it. Yeah. Have you seen Terabithia? I know there is a sad ending. I don't know. That's probably a spoiler, but I think I saw that movie. You know, wow. I have a weird context for, for that one. Uh, we're talking bridge to Terabithia now, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I actually weirdly recall seeing that on a cruise where it was one of, I was one of those kids that was like, there were, there's all sorts of activities you do on a cruise. You can, you know, go to the kids club, you can catch COVID any number of ways now. But, um, but then I was like, you know, I would maybe go to the little like kids area or whatever, but I was like, I'm going to go back to my room, like watch movies. Cause there's just like movie channels on the fucking cruise, uh, TV. And, uh, yeah, I watched that one on the cruise and boy, that ending really fucking hits you, man. Of Terabithia, um, really fucking like sad, tragic ending that I did not expect. Um, yeah, kind of a good movie. I, I don't know how it holds up, but uh, yeah, mm. yeah. So that's Bridge of Terabithia. It's a, it's a <laughs> recommend if you want to if you want to be bummed out. Would you show it to your son? Maybe when he was like ten. Okay, all right. Because he wouldn't know what the fuck was happening now. He'd just be like, <laughs> "Yeah, there's no bobots. Yeah, no bebots. No no, bots. no okay. lasers, yeah. uh, <laughs> sword fights, or anything. Oh yeah. my god! But um, but so Bay, you also do you have like kind of a preference? Uh, yeah, who you like more? I think we, when you were on my podcast, we talked a little bit about how Michael Bay, or so like Zack Snyder is the guy that gets picked on in high school, but Michael Bay gets picked on by Zack Snyder. Oh, and <laughs> so as far as preference, I. I probably lean more towards Zack Snyder, even though I I think that he at least I want to give him an A for effort because I feel like Michael Bay's reached a point where he's just like fuck nuance. I don't give a shit about nuance, and I feel like Zack Snyder definitely tries. And there are aspects of a lot of his movies, including The Watchmen, that are a little contrived that make it seem like oh, like it's obvious he's trying. But it's still like he misses the point, you know. Mm. So I, I think I would lean more towards Zack Snyder early stuff. I haven't really watched. I mean, I watched the Justice League, um, his the Snyder cut. But hey, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like super tired when I watched it, yeah. but I watched it in two sittings. Um, but but it, it didn't feel like four hours. Do you see yeah. uh, Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead was actually pretty fun. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it a lot, and I enjoyed, that's another thing. I know you guys talked about the movie already, but uh, there is a whole theory that he has pretty much confirmed that it's a time travel movie as well. Like there are loops and that we're watching multiple loops at once. It's not all the same loop. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, Welcome to the Snyderverse here. (laughs) It's wild that we, I think we talked about it pretty fresh. Like we, well, we saw it like opening night and then recorded that weekend. So we didn't have much time to get into that uh, theory, but that's definitely something that like, especially Adam would just like eat that shit up. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like, you're you're telling me there's time loops in this? Yeah. I I mean, Nolan probably would, (laughs) would fucking come his pants (laughs) and but i just think that i don't want to call it half-ass or if he's like setting up because it sounds like he's setting up a whole army of the dead universe in a way Mm -hmm. but it just felt like there's enough there to like make it like okay this is probably the truth and he's even confirmed it but there's not enough there to be like okay i can understand what's going on or what he's trying to do so yeah it feels almost like an afterthought 
Yeah, and it's like uh, most people maybe didn't even pick it up watching the movie. I like, didn't. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had to watch. I was watching a bunch of YouTube stuff talking about it. And then I went into the Reddits and I sound like an old person. The Reddits. The Reddits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I read it, uh, into a lot of it there. But what is yeah. the theory? Like what exactly is, is, is going on? So that's another thing. It's, it's, it's like it's not even like a, a fully functional theory. Like there's a reason for it. It's just like they're – this was their fourth attempt trying to break into the, 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 what's it called? The safe. And it's indicated by certain things. The, the most obvious thing is that they see the skeletons, the dead bodies there. Like, Oh, we aren't the first to try. And they're all wearing the same clothes that they wear. So that feels like that was kind of obvious. And I don't, when I first saw it, I thought like, Oh, is this supposed to be surreal? Is it supposed to be like, yeah. like fantasy or, or they're just, you know, whatever. But then also when they walk into the safe, there are three guns. There's three, like, um, assault rifles or whatever. Um, mm. Sorry, I'm not a gun person. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry if it's not an assault rifle. Uh, yeah. But there are like three guns off to the side and he puts, when they walk in, he puts the fourth one down, which indicates that this is their fourth time making an attempt to uh, to break mm. into the heist. There's all, a, lot, a lot of little stuff and when the daughter is like trying to escape to go uh, save that, that mom or whatever, she moves a skeleton hand and it's her hand. So like it, there's little things like I think she's wearing a ring or something and it indi- like it's just indicated that that's her and, and yeah it's it's it makes me want to rewatch it again and that's just, interesting I mean yeah, yeah there is kind of a side I mean they do straight up say that the creature Adam and I I think on that episode said like yeah I mean I we kind of just think it's an alien like obviously yeah. they have yeah. the aesthetics of more kind of like zombie creatures but like it's from Area 51 there is like already kind of a sci-fi element outside of just like a zombie takeover and just the movie. aesthetic itself like the blue kind of hue the unnatural thing about yeah, it the and the intelligence blue baby yeah. yeah in the beginning of the movie too and i only knew this because of a youtube series i watched you can see like a spaceship flying out when they're when the trucks are leaving area 51 so oh shit crazy. there's a bunch <laughs> of stuff yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to dig into this this sounds like yeah this, this sounds, sounds, this sounds, sounds good. good amazing it's kind of like what tarantino does with his like you know, his movies put little like yeah. apple cigarettes in his movies and whatnot. I yeah. wonder if, uh, cause you know, <laughs> Dieter, uh, Dieter is making a prequel movie, uh, and he's like directing it too. Oh, really? Um, Arm- I think the trailer yeah. came out. It's called Army of Thieves. Army yeah. of Thieves. I yeah. I didn't and know he was directing it. Yeah. And I, I was like, um, so it's just like pre there's just no zombies, but I guess it still ties in the zombies somehow, yeah, which is weird. I guess they did uh well Dieter was something. was set up to like I don't know what to do with zombies, so that's why I'm like, yeah, what yeah, are you gonna what are you gonna do here? He's misleading them or something, or it's just know. temporal loops will start doing that shit See, I don't you know. know, yeah, because I know also there's like an animated sequel show that they're working it's a prequel. I don't know. Oh, prequel. It, I think okay. it, it basically takes off from, uh, I guess it's not really a prequel, but it takes in between the first zombie, whatever, going into Vegas and like that basically, it's basically, what I understand is that whole montage in the beginning, it's the story of the zombie outbreak. Oh, okay. I think. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it similarly to how Dawn of the Dead ends, uh, or am I thinking 28 Days Later, a different zombie movie? But um, I mean, it, it definitely leaves it open for something to happen at the end of that movie. Um, or you just infer that like the the world ends. <laughs> it spreads beyond, you know, yeah, yeah, Vegas yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, 
But speaking of yeah. things that are left ambiguous, Watchmen <laughs> was yeah. left kind of ambiguous at the end. Sure. This is the smoothest transition I could think of. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I guess we should go around and talk about our kind of our backgrounds with Watchmen because I know that a lot of us had read the graphic novel before. Because um, mm. I did. I, I I read it before the movie. How about how about you, Brent? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we, you and I, Adam, actually have a very linked up kind of origin with this movie. Not so much the graphic mm. novel, but this movie, seeing it for the first time. Yeah. I'm sure you remember. Yeah, I do. Um, I definitely read this before the movie came out, but I think I, I think, uh, you know, to be completely upfront, I think I only did because I had seen 300. Um, I was very much like, this guy seems like he's going to be a big deal. 300 was like a big hit. It was an incredible looking movie. I remember following, this was also the era that I was really getting into like following movie blogs and behind the scenes stuff, like all the casting I was following. Um, and yeah, and I read it and liked it. Um, I, I I maybe only read it once or twice. Mm. Um, and I haven't read it recently at all, but, um, uh, it was mostly a thing of like, how is he going to adapt this and how is this movie going to be like yeah. received? Cause mm-hmm. it's so different than anything coming out at the time. Like this is, uh, Oh seven, right. Is it Oh seven? Oh nine. nine. Yeah. Oh, so it's okay. It's after dark night, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why this movie even got like greenlit. Yeah. Dark night, yeah. A little, maybe before it's time as a movie. I don't know. We can get into that, but, um, well, th- do you, yeah. I don't know if you want to. Well, we'll, we'll put a we'll put a bookmark or put a pin, <laughs> whatever you want to remember that we're going to talk about the con- the context of the time because I think that'd be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, but yeah. Eric, I know that uh, you had read reread the uh, graphic novel. I, I, I told you guys I was going to reread it, but I didn't. Oh, uh, that's okay. <laughs> it's but, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I read it the day before I watched the movie, and mm-hmm. it was because I, I took a, a class history of cinema. We were doing adaptations. The movie had just come out. And we were supposed to see it as like a group. I missed that because I think I had to work. So I had to read the book as quick as I could. I really, I read it all in one night, which I'm a slow reader. That's crazy. Yeah. And then I saw it the next day. Couldn't get anybody to go with me. It was the first movie, probably the last movie too, that I went to by myself. Mm, um, okay. so it was, it was kind of significant in that way, but, but yeah, I, I love the book and, uh, you know, at the time that the adaptation was pretty clear up there, are obviously like huge glaring differences, but as I've, as I've like read more into the, the different types of person, uh, different types of perspectives and who Alan Moore is as a person, dude, I've, we gotta have a whole <laughs> thing. Like we'd have like a two hour podcast about Alan Moore <laughs> as a person. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's made me realize how something can be done in a what seems like a true adaptation and still be completely different. So, so yeah, I think that's what makes this movie pretty interesting, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's the same way with Brent. Like I I picked up the like I loved 300 and I was excited to see this. And then I picked up the book because I wanted to read it. And I remember like thinking the book was really cool, but being like a 19, 18, 19 something like 
Like, I'm like, this is deep, but I don't know why. God, you know what? You, know you what have I- more balls to say that because <laughs> yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I was like. Do I say that? Because that's totally what happened where I read it and I was like, hmm, it's Rorschach guy. Pretty fucked up. Kind of cool. And I won't I won't like I won't stray away from my opinions like the comedian is kind of cool in certain aspects same with rorschach um dr manhattan was obviously like my favorite back then and Mm, i kind of want to talk about like because i want to talk about how you guys felt back then and how you feel now because i feel like it's like how we had in that fight club episode that you were on yeah and how like good my kind of feelings about dr manhattan has kind of shifted about like how i feel about him now I don't like him as much as I did back then. I kind of think he's a complete asshole now. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. in the way that, I mean, like, I understand it, but I was like this, I was like, you know, a science, like, kind of nerd. I still am, but not as, like, I guess militant as I, as I was back then. Yeah. And now I just feel like, oh, yeah, was that how I was? Was I like Dr. <laughs> Manhattan, who was like this kind of like humanity is nothing and uh, they're all just a bunch of it's particles so and like... Funny. <laughs> so funny you say I, that, I will dude. be... Yeah. I will have humility here. I can admit my I definitely... My change, yeah. You know? Uh, why, why, <laughs> why don't you get last... And I say this as someone who loves you and who is your best friend. Yeah. Uh, I was truly like, yeah, uh, Dr. Manhattan has big, like, high school Adam vibes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, like, college <laughs> Adam vibes. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't take fault with that I, at all. Like, I don't find that offensive because, I mean, yeah. I grew as a person and I understood, you know, yeah. more things about humanity and whatnot. I mean, it, it's just kind of like this whole movie or Alan Moore in general and how I was texting you, Brent, about, like mm-hmm. – I think Al Moore is a genius, but I also think like he's act he's actively hates humanity where it's like this incredible cynicism to him that yeah. almost was kind of like a huge turnoff watching it now because of like the times that we're living in now. Yeah. And just like his dude, outlook. Yeah. It's like this is not what we kind of need at the moment, even though he made this back in the 80s. So he had a different like kind of mindset, which you could see. Yeah. But um. Because, like, my, my philosophy has kind of changed. I'm not so nihilistic and atheist as I was was before. Mm-hmm. That's why Watchmen kind of clicked with me more back then because I was like, oh, yeah, like, humans suck and, like... Yeah, I, f- well, I remember, fuck, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you and I saw it, like, I, I feel like we were there opening night and we saw it with our friends, yeah. Eric and Christian, who we bring up a lot, um, saw a lot of movies with back then and mm-hmm. that... that uh, the golden time. age... Yeah. Oh, nine, baby. Um, and yeah, I feel like we were really high on it when we left. Like yeah. I remember us jamming the fucking score or no, mm. no, no, the soundtrack. Cause it obviously has a, a big soundtrack. Shit, bro. Yeah. Like on the way back from mm. seeing it and maybe I'm conflating different circumstances. Yeah, it was a different time, but it yeah. feels like it was after we saw the movie, mm. we were like, put on that fucking soundtrack. Like that was a banger. <laughs> like, um, I listen to that soundtrack a lot, even though it's so obvious, <laughs> like, <laughs> like very, uh, yeah, I didn't have all of the touchstones for, you know, where he's pulling all that stuff from at the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it is interesting kind of how 
this story ages with us and with with where superhero movies are at now yeah where society is generally Uh at now um i mean i think the evidence of alan moore hating humanity and being detached is pretty obvious and the fact that he is like basically in hiding and he's like a wizard who does like (laughs) transcendental meditation and like writes weird like post-humanist like cartoons or like comics and all this wild shit now um yeah we might as well just go to alan moore here so eric what what do you how do you how do you what's your familiarity with him have you read any of his other stuff no uh not not specifically but um my uh my fiance is uh really into comics and Mm. she's read like i haven't even watched v for vendetta um uh, so like she's familiar with all of his stuff. She does not like him at all, but she like reads his stuff because she feels it's important. I think not to speak for her. <laughs> bit, yeah. yeah. It's but, kind of undeniable. Yeah. yeah. And then he did the killing joke too. Yeah. yeah. So, you read that one, Brent, right? What's up? The killing joke. Yeah. I read that V for Vendetta. I feel like after probably seeing this movie, even more so than the graphic novel, I very yeah. much kind of got into a little bit of an Alan Moore phase and read like killing joke and V for Vendetta. Which I think had already been a movie, right? Killing Joke was an animated film. Well, right? uh, V for Vendetta was a v movie before Vendetta this, right? Was the Wachowski, was, yeah. It was like 05 or was so? It? I think it was before, and I liked that movie a lot, actually. I remember liking it, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. it's funny because he he himself hates the Killing Joke. He's like, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> like, that's, that's so funny. It's truly... Yeah. I, I wonder almost like, if what is we're... what is it even about? Like, what's the... I mean, a brief It's a really thing. dark... It's essentially about the relationship between Batman and the Joker and how they're kind of this perfect symbiotic relationship of like, I can't kill you because of my philosophy. You can't kill me because I'm too much fun to fuck with. That's kind of what it's all about. You mean Nolan took that idea and made the Dark Knight? Yeah, very much. Very much so. And I think he improved upon it in a lot of ways. Yeah, the Dark Knight's fucking amazing. Kind of the best... Batman Joker. But well, why does he story? hate it? He he, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I guess. Yeah, but he okay. said, yeah. he essentially is like, I can't believe I thought that was an important story to tell. It's 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 dark for the sake of being dark. Uh, so I almost okay. wonder if he's like less cynical now than he was in the 80s, 90s, whatever. Well, and like from from what I read about his like development of Watchmen mm-hmm. was his. He said that he wrote this to kind of go and show his anxiety he felt during the 80s about, like, the Cold War tensions. Yeah. And so he just put it all on paper and Watchmen came out. And he wanted to do it with DC heroes, but they were like, your shit is way too (laughs) and wild, so just make up your own stuff and we'll, like, publish it. Mm. I wonder if if things were the way they are now back then, if they would have been more open to that, because that would have been interesting. They can just do some bullshit alternate universe. Yeah. yeah. Rorschach is Batman, and, you know. I'd almost... Yeah, I'd almost argue that's what Snyder kind of ended up doing with his weird-ass dark shit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. there's super, there's a lot of parallels and a lot of like obvious like nods. I mean, do you see Tom and Martha in the opening homage of of the movie being safe? uh, Wait, 
Batman's parents, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. really that's funny. Yeah, because yeah. the uh, Mothman or whatever saves them from the the the, the mugger. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like little stuff like that, like kind of Easter eggs. But what you're saying about Doctor Manhattan, that's how I feel about Rorschach. But I think that might have more to do with the TV show Lindelof. And mm. I don't want to get on a huge other tangent unless you guys are down. Boy, what they do with <laughs> Rorschach is genius. But that's what yeah. Moore did with Rorschach, and that's one thing I was yeah. reading about. Like. It's so interesting. I like what you guys are talking about, like how Moore is just very like you know his opinion of humanity because he's also like he's a pretty open communist, isn't he? Like, no, he's an anarchist. Oh, he's an, okay, yeah, oh, okay. he's he's against any sort of like authority at all. And, Whether it be you know. capitalist or okay, communist. that makes yeah. that makes more sense because yeah. I was reading that he embodied everything embodied in Rorschach in the comic was everything he hated about like humans like mm. which is funny because when I saw this movie I mean it's a lot of his Jack Earl Haley is just awesome as Rorschach I was yeah. just like so fucking good he's yeah. the best character and then looking into like the way the show portrayed his legacy and in the comic his perspective like oh wow like he makes He's, I mean, he's essentially a QAnon person, you know, he's essentially this. That's, that's what we should get into here. <laughs> I'm honest yeah. because like, I think Rorschach is kind of like the Trumpian sort oh, of. Oh yeah, um, for sure. And I, I, and like, I don't want to say that as, I don't want to put myself under the, under fire. I don't want to say that as like a terrible bad thing because I think that, uh, Rorschach and I mean, Alan Moore has his opinions. He wrote the character and like, I know how he actively hates like Rorschach and everyone like loves him, you know? And like, it's almost as if he's expressing, I don't know what more is, but he, he, he kind of like expressed himself through Rorschach in a way of his uncompromising, like side of things, you know, mm-hmm. like on how much, like how, how nihilistic that more portrayed humanity and how like Rorschach is kind of like this yin, yin to the comedian's yang of, nihilism Mm -hmm. in the way that the posturing is um i hope you guys are following me on this like (laughs) the the posturing is different because like i think the comedian is a very like in this movie at least is a the most fleshed out character i think out of all of them even though he's like a really terrible person but Mm -hmm. um like the comedian thinks like he's he's like he's a complete nihilist he embraces the nihilism while rorschach sees humanity and wants to fix that Mm -hmm. what he sees is just complete evil you know and he actively like Rorschach actively hates it but wants to do something about it you know Mm -hmm. what I mean yeah definitely no I I completely agree And, and there is an aspect of Rorschach that I mean it's so wild how like this feels like it was written now because I mean mm-hmm. he is incel culture, you know, to a T. Rorschach is the embodiment of incel culture and he's very like anti um, you know, what's the word in there? Like anti like sex. Like fornication yeah. uses the word a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you almost like where's a fedora? And, and, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just interesting that uh more doesn't even like he, he he doesn't just make him like that. He also gives him like, I don't know. He gives him almost a, I wouldn't say justified, but a, a, a sympathetic look at him because of his mother being a prostitute and how he was just like, you know, like he was fucking trashed on like as a yeah. child and it affected his whole worldview, you know? It's like, yeah, it was hard to kind of blame him for 
how he sees it, even though yeah, it was even though he became kind of a sociopath. You know? I think that yeah. yeah, I think, and that was one of the big successes of the the comic at the time that nobody mm. qu- had really done quite yet. Uh, of like comic book characters, superheroes, whatever superheroes, I guess specifically are very much these kind of like black and white characters and they hadn't really been fleshed out and shown essentially as, as humans to showcase like who watches the Watchmen. It's like, who, like, do we really want these people to have power to be as, to look up to them as heroes when they're this fucked up, just like all all people are essentially. That's where I want to get into a more like broader scope of things. Um, I know we're kind of talking about a higher, a higher level of Watchmen as opposed to the movie itself. But I think like, I think more, I, I really love Moore's genius and the thing and what he was able to express in the comic book medium, though. I don't think he realized what he did to, <laughs> to media and pop culture. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have known, no way. Like, there's no... But I think, like, at the end of the day, these are comic book heroes. They're kids stuff. Yeah. And then being transferred over to an adult space adds a lot of, like, gray era and nuance, which confuses a lot of people. Yeah. And it's like, now... Like you can, you have like things like the boys or invincible or like, I guess the new Watchmen and all these like things where, Oh, there's like the only way people give a shit about expressing like nuance and gray area is through comic book superheroes, (laughs) which is kind of like dumb because (laughs) like they should be reserved for like just black and white, like morality tales for children. Mm-hmm. Like let's just have kids have like you know yeah. But instead now we the only way to express moral grayness and I'll even get I'll put Nolan under the bus for this because with a Dark Knight is mm-hmm. like you have to exude it through superheroes. I feel like Watchmen was the beginning of that era where oh you know let's express these deep themes through superheroes and it's kind of like well you know maybe we should just have kept them in the black and white space and just. Yeah. Left them for kids and yeah. had actual like stories about like it's it's definitely things. I think there has been a kind of taking all the wrong lessons from something that was really yeah. well done and it's like it's I mean Patrick Willems the YouTuber made a yeah. video that's really great uh, I think called uh, God Jesus Christ what what is it called like why are there R rated superhero <laughs> movies Yeah um, essentially getting into yeah the history of of superhero comics and all this stuff and then in the 80s and and especially 90s when like the the effects of of more on the next generation being like oh we can we can make comics grown up and it's essentially mm. doing all that kind of with even like less and less nuance and like a reason why you're making a R rated superhero thing outside of like, I make it gory. So like older, you know, buyers will, will get it. And then, um, uh, ultimately that's manifested itself in a lot of movies since now the culture is very much, you know, it's comic book movies instead of in comic books themselves now. But, um, well, Eric, yeah. this is my, my theory about pop culture now is that it's a religion and it's a sneaky <laughs> religion because uh, it's it's inherently secular. 
So people who are atheist or non-religious can could start uh, practicing in um, the rituals, like going to comic cons or or going to forums talking about you know superheroes without knowing that they're part of a rich the rituals yeah. and sticking to lore. I mean, you see it with Star Wars all the time, like people yeah. arguing about like what should be lore. Yeah. Like there's different factions. People like it, it's like we we we've. We're, we we want to say that we are not spiritual, yet we still find our spiritual like uh, needs within the secular space of pop culture and comic books. Mm-hmm. And I think that's someone who's like more who's most I think he's like atheist, but also pagan wizard man <laughs> <laughs> had, had found his spirituality in these sort of these these. Um, that's what his comics are about now. They're about yeah. weird fucking like wizard shit yeah like you and i what was it you and i that was watching a, like a video breakdown of like what his comics are about now i remember watching this which i think is an amazing thing i think i think yeah. I, I think we did yeah where it's crazy he said that like magic happens where it's the space between like actual physics like entering our like our consciousness like our consciousness is the inner space and the outer space is like physics, like science, like objective reality. And the magic is the interface between the two where you don't know where that happens. I was like, that's genius. <laughs> I think that's really intelligent. Mr. Moore, you know, you're <laughs> crazy beard man. Co- yeah. Kooky yeah. wild man. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting what yeah. you're saying about, you know, pop culture as religion, because I feel like there's definitely been parallels before. I've, I have a friend who's very like, staunch, I guess for lack of a better word, atheist and is very like, Hmm. you know, very to it, you know, and, and, um, but Hmm. they did their research and they read the Bible and they read these, you know, the the different Torah and all that just to, cause there was, it's an informed decision. And I remember one of our Christian friends was talking and then they, uh, kind of not corrected, but kind of like explained the context of a specific scripture and our Christian friend was like, well, you know, and it wasn't like snarky, but it's like, you know, for an atheist, you know, you know a lot about the Bible. Yeah. And they responded with, well, I know a lot about Lord of the Rings. It doesn't make it real. Yeah. So like, you know, the <laughs> fact that like it's a one off like dumb snarky comment, but it also like that, that, that holds true to what you're saying is that mm-hmm. there is a mythology with these things. And it's just ironic because what's the token was, was like pretty Christian. Like, like, like whether yeah. my, my, my point is, and I like that story a lot. Because I read the Bible because I, I was never a Christian, but I wanted I wanted to be informed as well. And I consider myself a quasi-atheist right now um, because I don't think anyone can actually be an atheist, but it's a whole other conversation. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about it is that, like, like, you don't necessarily need to believe in the thing the thing that you're reading objectively, you can believe in its themes. You can believe in like the characters and what their motivations. And after all, that's what Christians do. They, they, they have like, whether or not they actually believe that Jesus was like resurrected. It's like, it's kind of like missing the point. If you're looking at it that from that atheist perspective, it's like, it's, it's not about, necessarily the resurrection it's about like what jesus did and the morality behind it Mm -hmm. and the stories and that's what we do when we watch like movies that's what we do when 
we read um, Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's it's like like I I think when when and and this is coming from a guy who does who was like a secular, like atheist kind of guy. It's kind of just like pointless to just point out, of course, it's not real. It's like, let's, let's go on to the next level of logic and think about like the morality thing. Let's think about like motivations and the power of like narrative, even though it's fictional can still affect our whole worldview and how we interact with people. Like if a Christian is a good person and they read the Bible and they believe in the scripture and they're like a good person and they're acting in good ways. I mean, that's a great consequentialist argument for like people being Christian instead of being a deontologist like Christian or atheist or something. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to get in that for the philosophy of like deontology and consequentialism because that in this one, uh, Ozymandias is like this liberal, like liberal consequentialist superhero. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to see the dichotomy between Rorschach as a conservative deontologist who's like not compromising. I have my strict code black and white while that who's also a bad guy. Like, uh, like Ozymandias is not like a good person. <laughs> yeah. You know, who is like, he, he's a, he's gay and he has this huge neoliberal business, wants free energy, but like he chooses the consequentialist outlook to where he wants to save billions by killing millions, by embracing fascist ideology, by creating a greater enemy. And that's what's so interesting about like Alan Moore is that he's embracing fascist ideology in a way, saying that that's what works. You know what I mean? I guess I guess so. I mean, it's not I'm not saying yeah. he's like he's he's uh he he's like saying that you should do that, but he's saying like that's what works with society as I, I should hate the word to say society. But uh, <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, cuz he does know. have plenty yeah. of of uh stuff after the big ending the big event yeah. where it's effective right mm-hmm. and like it it is very yeah it's it's very much uh a kind of what i assume is a very fresh thing at the time where the bad guy wins mm. and ultimately it's kind of a good outcome for the world yeah um yeah it's really fascating yeah ozymandy or uh What's his name? Adrian? Adrian, yeah. Adrian Vett. Is it Vett? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah, it's super interesting to see looking back, especially at the time this was written, you know, and it's a, it's a basically a consequence of his feelings about the Cold War. And then looking at the movie, which is, the script is written at a different time and comparing to endings. I don't feel like the alien is needed for the movie, but one thing I've been listening to a lot of different perspectives is that the whole, like they're going to make it like it's Dr. Manhattan is the common enemy doesn't fly as much as making it this random other force Mm -hmm. because the tendency of like, like the tension with the cold war was so high that it's something like this would happen like, Oh, Dr. Manhattan who has been working with the U S for years and was a big part of the win in Vietnam. Mm. Even if U S attacked, it feels almost like, aren't the Russians going to be like, Oh, well 
Doesn't he? Isn't this your guy? You know. Mm. And or what's the, what? What do they say in the movie? Uh, God is real and he's American. Yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think it would still be America, kind of. It's it's like America's yeah. hubris that caused this to happen. I think. Exactly. Yeah. Even if they weren't the ones pulling the trigger on Doctor Manhattan, they are the ones who it's they're the reason why it happened. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Watchmen with the alien, it's it, it's it's more was commentating on the hubris of also Russia, and it it, it was both like superpowers. He didn't he didn't appreciate. He's like he didn't care if it was communist or capitalist. It was like these big. These big superpowers who have like weapons of mass destruction are pointing guns at each other, and everyone's there for the fallout. And that's mm-hmm. what he was commenting about, like with the alien. It's just like, yeah, the external force as opposed to Doctor Manhattan. But it's, yeah, I do. It is interesting because you know, I wonder if the change to obviously it was because when you read about it, it's because Snyder didn't have the time and the studio didn't want to deal with that fucking squid. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting because I almost get a little bit of uh, like post 9-11, like, like, like him, like whoever, whoever yeah. like David Hayter, I think wrote the script, uh, Solid Snake himself. Yeah, Solid um, Snake himself. <laughs> but I, I do wonder if there, and I think he wrote it before 9-11, mm-hmm. so maybe this doesn't hold any water, but I do wonder if there's like a, like after 9-11, there was an enemy. There was, you know, somebody we could kind of, whether it was accurate or not, there was somebody that we could kind of look at and go like, they did it to us. And, mm. you know, the approval rating skyrocketed and stuff. I almost wonder if that was kind of intentional in, in uh, the change to make it Dr. Manhattan instead of just like a, you know, something did this. I think it's just know? people just, the, the studio is probably like, I don't know if we want just some weird alien. <laughs> yeah. You know, I For think sure, it was yeah. basically like, I don't think America, uh, audiences are are ready for just an alien to be the solution to this film. Mm-hmm. You I, know what I, mean? I think Snyder, I, I, I could have misread this, but I think he had even said something along the lines. It just wasn't practical for the movie to do an alien. Like yeah. they need to set things up. Yeah. that Would be like wheel turning and take too long or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I mean, like uh, if, if I were to do the counterpoint to it just for the sake of conversation, um, not to think that uh, the alien is any better than uh, what came out here or any less better. Um, I think like Dr. Manhattan obviously represents just the development of nuclear power. And mm. like if, if nuclear power was the destruction of like, can it just mutually like that mutually assured destruction? Um, yeah. It was a mad was the abbreviation. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense that everyone is just getting hit by this, the the metaphor for nuclear like an an, an atom bomb yeah and that's the common enemy is get is nuclear weaponry mm-hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense um yeah i mean uh, to talk about the the movie a little bit more um not alan more um, <laughs> what uh, i mean i guess i can maybe get into why i'm a little colder on this movie now than i was when i saw it uh, you know, over a decade ago. I, I just think that Snyder, he he loves action, obviously, right? And he loves stylizing it and making and it so do we, baby. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, I think it works better in movies like Dawn of the Dead, Army of the Dead, um, kind of more, you know, uh, uh, not trashy, but like, but, uh, just kind of like, uh, 
he doesn't have to worry about adapting kind of like a this dense kind of uh semi-political very political kind of graphic novel when he's doing it those movies and i just think that some of the the action scenes specifically the way he shoots them the way he stylizes them it's uh it's it's he's sometimes when I watch this, like the wrong guy for this movie, I mm. think. And I just wonder what you guys think about that. Like, I don't know the way, the way that I feel like some of like Rorschach's and comedians and okay. um, stuff is so glorified in for lack of a better term, cool. Yeah. Where it's like Snyder obviously seems to love all these guys. To, to your point, to your point. Yes. Yeah. I I will agree that um it it tonally it doesn't make sense for the um themes being conveyed to the audience. Mm-hmm. Though this was made in 2009. Fair. And I think yeah. that's that is that is the <laughs> biggest that's the biggest um point in the favor of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like you you you're talking about superhero movies in 2009 where we where we post had Dark Knight, yeah, yeah, post Dark Knight, Dark Knight, but yeah. we needed to have action in superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you, no one's gonna see this big budget superhero movie. It's not gonna have some cool like fighting. Mm-hmm. And the man for the job, the three hundred man for the job, was Zack Snyder, and he did the best that he could. Now, if yeah. Watchmen was done today. I think someone with uh, a little bit more nuance who would reel it back and not have so much glorification. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, it, it was and they did, I think, yeah. like, it, it, you know, and but. also it's like, it's like sugar help, you know, sugar, uh, helps the medicine. medicine go down, <laughs> yes. right? You know? I mean, those are, those are excellent yeah. points. Like the cultural, and this is a thing that we talk about a lot yeah. with Snyder and Bay during the series so far, like the kind of cultural context of when each specific movie comes out, feels very important because they're both very modern guys. Like they're both very, you know, Snyder a little more than Bay, obviously. Like you said, I love your metaphor of like he would have picked, <laughs> picked on Bay because Bay seems a little lamer yeah. than Snyder. Yeah. Snyder's cooler <laughs> than Bay. But um yeah, it's it yeah, that's a that's a really good kind of counterpoint that you gotta take into effect. Well, well, like the stylized like, Yeah, stuff, Snyder's yeah. like the Chad at the party who's like, bro, you hear about like you hear about like Reagan and what he was doing, man. Crazy. <laughs> and he's, he's like, he, he, he's yeah. like trying to be on your side about it, but he's like kind of like a little uninformed, but he's like still, he's really cool. And he's like trying to like, yeah, still talk about it. That's kind of how I feel about it. I, I think a thing. Yeah. I yeah. think that some, some it's, it's, it's not even like have all the action and even a lot of the stuff with comedian and just how brutal the movie is, all that shit works in its favor. I think like how dark and mean and kind of brutal it is. Um, but the specific, you know, it kind of made me think of, uh, of the ending of man of steel a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if, I don't think we're going to talk about that movie actually, but, um, maybe we should, but the end of that movie where like he snaps Zod's neck and it's kind of a similar energy to some action scenes in this movie where it's like, God damn it. Isn't this so fucking cool? And it's like, (laughs) that's not, that's not Superman's vibe though. And that's not like some of these, but I mean, that's a good counterpoint what you said about like, it's the, it's the era. It's kind of like, he's the guy coming off of 300. That's what he does in 300. He's Mm -hmm. adapting this. Uh, He used the, the comic um, or the graphic novel as storyboards, Mm -hmm. which he also did with 300. 
So, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that, that's really kind of my biggest kind of gripe with it. I think other than that, um, that's kind of the biggest thing. I don't know. How do you feel about the adaptation? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, that, that you guys both hit the nail on the head and, and there is, uh, yeah, that, that's the best way to describe him. He's the chat at the party and he's like, he knows like what the point he knows the the basics of the, he knows the surface level yeah. and he knows why people are upset about certain things but he doesn't understand like the the me- mechanism of what gets to that point and i feel like heightening up everything i never thought about i never even thought to think about the fact of the time period about you know heightening everything up and mm. i feel like we watch this now and this is just like this is his thing you know the slow motion the uh you know the super bright the the dark palettes but with the super bright lights you know mm. everything is is so stylized and um i i don't think it's fair to say he's like all style no substance but his substance is very like material it's very like surface level and there are things that I feel like he tries to do that just it almost feels either half-assed or it just feels like he's missing the point. And I think that that this movie is like the biggest marker of that because I mean, the, one of the YouTube videos I was watching was talking about what you were talking about, like the action scenes. Everything is so heightened. These people are supposed to be real people. They're yeah. not superheroes, with the exception of Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And you know, he turns everyone into you know a superhero. Rorschach can walk up walls. You know, he's like a fucking parkour master. You know, and in in the, in the comic, in the graphic novel, he's just kind of a regular person. He's got these flaws, and it's the fact that these are real people mm. experiencing things that it, it does kind of take away from it in you know the whole point of the, yeah, the book sure. yeah 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 it definitely yeah that I, I forgot how pointed it was in the graphic novel that they really are like humans i kind of forgot about that because th- this movie is they're they're all kind of very quasi like it feels like they're at least just like well like trained with like yeah, the well best yeah. ninjas or something yeah. <laughs> like in the best martial arts in the academy in the world or something but mm. um <laughs> yeah and then yeah you kind of but yeah and then dr manhattan very much is like the guy in the graphic novel but uh yeah yeah that's interesting but yeah i mean i, I mean what do what what were you supposed to do about superheroes in 2009 mm. you you, yeah. you got to give them you, you got to give them super stuff, you know, it, it, yeah. it would have been hard to like just sell a movie. That's just like, Oh, these are just, you know, regular. Films, I, I think you know? you're what you said about the sugar <laughs> makes the yeah. medicine go down. <laughs> I think that's actually kind of the best justification for it that yeah. I can think of because it's like, this is, I mean, we didn't really talk about the long production history of this movie, but oh, it's like yeah. multiple people like, um, Jesus Christ. Harry uh, Gilliam. Yeah, Gilliam uh, was going to take a stab at it, was the guy who said it's unfilmable. Like many people took a crack at it. They're trying to adapt it and made it unfilmable. So it, do, it does make sense that he was like, listen, listen, we're going to do The Watchmen, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like cool as hell. It's going <laughs> to be cool like, as, it's gonna as be hell. Cool. So it yeah. does make sense that like at the air, it's like that's how you had to sell a movie this fucking dark and like r-rated yeah, the fact and, that this yeah. movie even exists is a fucking miracle yeah uh, it's like turning air into gold <laughs> it's like turning air into gold <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy this yeah. this got made for sure i mean this is basically pre-mcu like like yeah. it was being made in a pre-mcu world uh where kind of 
all you had was like Christopher Nolan getting everybody excited uh, yeah. for, for Batman. And it stuff is like kind that. of crazy. This movie is kind of an anomaly. If you really think about it, mm-hmm. how strange it is for sure. Yeah. And I, I think that especially like I th- not to get too much in like to the MCU, but yeah. Winter Soldier definitely redefined a comic book movie in a sense that comic book movies aren't a genre anymore. It's just a vehicle because Winter Soldier a is a spy movie. You know, yeah. it's a spy yeah. movie about superheroes. And it's I never thought about it until you brought us up, but just hearing like seeing like a movie of this, like The Watchmen done now would be totally different. And I feel like we got the mm-hmm. best of that, like like Brent said with the, with the show and being able to explore all these different, you know, perspectives and the fact that they're able to do it with like a whole new storyline altogether from the comic, from the graphic novel, mm-hmm. I think was just a, a success for not just comic books, but just uh, stories in general. Yeah. I think the, that, the yeah. see, see, this is where I take my, my pivot to the, like I was talking about earlier was the dark, the dark side of all of that is that, you can never have a story that is profitable that is outside of the realm of anything that's DC or Marvel related. Like you take like it's just skins now. Like Joker is the biggest example of such an insane. I, I personally didn't like that movie, but um, it, it, it's like you, you take a movie about a, uh, a a psycho and you skin it with joker on and it's not really anything to do with like dc or anything but Mm -hmm. let's talk about society um with the skin of joker on it because that's what's going to get people in and that's what's like kind of what's the trend here is that we can only talk about things that are interesting and profitable at the same time via the the lens of some here superhero you know yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. I mean, there there are there are exceptions, but I, yeah, I see your point that it's like the the biggest movies, it's the are essentially the Marvel movies. They always do great, um, and yeah, the ones that like change the formula and like and imagine stuff like that. imagine like, one of your favorite movies like. I don't know the Irishman, but it had to have like <laughs> fucking like the Joker in it, or like <laughs> you know what it's what I Joker. Mean? It's like King of Comedy. But yeah, is one of my favorites, thinking, and yeah. that is Joker. Like that, it's exactly that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like why not just see King of Comedy? Yeah, I think, I think it know, that goes with it's old. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because there was always the argument uh, amongst, especially like film goers in general, like oh, like Hollywood's running out of ideas to keep on rebooting things. And I think with, with IP in general, like I, I think of to like they're re quote unquote rebooting the Wonder Years, but with a black family, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be the wonder years. They just add the wonder years for the marketability aspect. Right. Of it. Yeah. So yeah. even going beyond, like nobody's happy about that. Like, yeah, I, I think it looks pretty interesting. <laughs> I haven't and, seen anything on it, but I just, just reading like Twitter reactions. I don't know. Um, That's Twitter. Nobody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that there, there is definitely a tendency to want to like stick to the IP. And I feel like I, I get what you're saying and I completely, I agree with you, mm. you know, but I think there's also a kind of silver lining to that in the sense that now people can make these movies and market it as a quote unquote superhero movie and still be able to do this. Even if it has to have the skin, at least they can make money to make these stories. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a give and take, you know, it's, I, I think I, I feel okay with that. 
you know, I'm saying this now just after you explained <laughs> it. So I'm just yeah, like yeah, yeah. immediately reacting. I don't know how I'd feel tomorrow, but I feel like I can be okay if, if I have to watch a bunch of superhero movies, but they're all interesting stories. And I all take things that are stories that would have never been done with any type of movie before, but it's marketed as a superhero. I think I can be okay with that. I think story mm-hmm. to me is, is more important. I think. <laughs> well, you know, and I don't, yeah, we, we yeah. shouldn't get too into it, but the, the Watchmen show is the best example of smuggling, interesting, like complex, imp- like quote unquote, I guess, important things into a show that makes sense with the original canon lore, whatever you want to say, but is also doing tons of new, weird, interesting, cool stuff and saying something I think important. Like just the fact that that show weirdly was the thing that like, Include myself included, like the Tulsa massacre. Oh of, yeah, like, Black Wall Street. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, but it's wild that like that's the high bar to me. But I think a lot of it is kind of like what you're saying, Adam. Like to I guess like fall kind of between you guys. Like it. Um, I, yeah, I, I I'm know. just saying like uh, like I like I'll level with 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 you Eric like yeah I think that at least that we can get that nuance somewhere and people will the sh- the sugar and the medicine you know thing again I just wish people would just take the fucking mess and <laughs> and it's like yeah I don't know I just think like we're we're so this is this is getting so out of the scope of watchmen but I'll I'll <laughs> I'll keep it at this point is that we're our culture is accelerating so fucking fast that like our dopamine is being overloaded with we just need the next best thing we need it as fast as possible and that we can't just take a step back and see something that's more sobering and like much more just kind of grounded instead of having to you know having to have to have like Captain America in it or having to have to have like the joker in it yeah you know, i think i think in yeah. there's nothing we can do about that because it's, it's it's at the will of the media in in know? like a monocultural way of like whatever like what the most people consume i think that is what's happening in large part it like yeah. is that superhero stuff that ip franchise stuff but i just think everything is so broken down into individual segments where like before we started recording, we joked about your idea of like in the future, everybody's content is going to be made specifically for them by an AI. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you should trademark before this, that this episode (laughs) drops. My my short story on it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's how it is in the macro, but I think in large part, people consume things from all over the fucking place. Now that's not just, you know, those big things like in, in terms of what everybody's seeing, it is that big stuff, but also everybody's consuming all of this small shit too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I see, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, and at least know. everything is more decentralized now that like, yeah, for sure. Like, even though like I can, like, I don't have to watch any of that superhero stuff. I really can just like go and yeah. watch YouTube for all the stuff that they have or like, yeah. you know, and people do that. Yeah. yeah. People fucking you just know. watch like what, what Paramount plus is putting out like, <laughs> or, uh, Netflix or Amazon or whatever. Or you just but, watch like, whatever's you know. on TikTok and just get your highs 
from there. <laughs> Every 10 <laughs> seconds. Every 10 seconds. Oh boy, Adam and Brent are oh, talking about TikTok Eric, again. have you heard our idea about TikTok, our TikTok, which we still need to do, which I we haven't? So. Do. I think I hashtagged it on, on a thing. Oh, yeah. It's a good idea. It's a great idea. If you, I mean, you, I, I think he's heard it probably, but the TikTok Tarkovsky, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Tarkovsky TikTok. Tarkovsky TikTok. Three T's. <laughs> and it's just um, like a long still shot over many TikToks. Because that's just tar, that's just Tarkovsky. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the, the idea being like, you're on TikTok, you're burning through these. I, <laughs> my wife, my wife is now... Uh, she doesn't make TikToks, but boy, she watches them. Uh, mm. It's just like the the concept of like a TikTok account that is making like Tarkovsky-esque like art pieces where like they go on very long over. I don't know how TikTok works. I don't know if it's even possible, uh, but it's like a very slow, beautifully framed shot of a thing. And it's just like, slow down a little bit. Like, take it easy. <laughs> hey, take you it know? easy. Just, just enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the moment. You know, you don't need to get hit with dopamine all the time. Yeah. You know, just just look at this like look at this puddle full of like rusted metal <laughs> in it and see what you think. Yeah, and just see how that reflects back on you. My hair all just turned white. There's suddenly a walker next to me. <laughs> I've never sounded older in my entire life than just now. But hey, you have a, you have a child. It's going to escalate things. That's boy, that's yeah. very true. Um, you need I'd to get love that if he got into Tarkovsky TikToks. That'd be great. I mean, that's the only reason I would ever, I've, I have never downloaded TikTok. I, I just know. know it's, it's, it's a black hole for me, man. I will disappear. I, I can't like Twitter. Twitter is bad enough. I mean, me. how do you feel about yourself when you're doing that? When I'm on Twitter? No. T- well, yeah, both, I guess. TikTok <laughs> and Twitter. Uh, I don't know, man. I just, I, it's something. I, I, I got on the same fucking thing on your podcast, <laughs> yeah. Eric, where I was <laughs> like talking about how scared I am of like modern technology I, I just feel like yeah it's going so much it's being developed so much faster than we have time to process how it's changing right, us yeah and it scares me man it's like it's like vine was an early thing of that where i would just fall mm. down a vine youtube compilation oh, yeah. hole for like a long time and be like oh i just watched like 40 minutes of shit <laughs> like long yeah. form shit is literally being destroyed as as we speak like yeah. movies I mean, I'm surprised movies still exist. <laughs> See, and the, the optimist in me <laughs> you know? says, I, I think that there's just going to be everything. And I think, sure, young yeah, people might navigate everything. towards more shorter things. You know, uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to make sure Atticus loves movies and we'll see if mm. that sticks. I don't want to, you know, force him into anything, of course. But um, yeah, well, I think yeah. Th- there's just going to be everything for everybody. The cynicist, the, the, cynic- <laughs> the cynical person within <laughs> me says that like our, our again, like the dopamine shit. It's like you you literally get addicted to like this stuff because anything else is not as entertaining. Like I like not to fucking like toot my own horn here, but I I ran for three and a half hours straight. No TikTok, not even music. No TikTok? No TikTok your- the whole fucking time. <laughs> and it was like 80 degree weather. Yeah. And it's like, it sounds like it's a miserable thing. And yeah, sometimes it is. But honestly, like, it gives me so much perspective in life where you're like, maybe everything is not so bad when you're just like in the present moment and you're just like going down a trail. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think like, getting hit by 
like entertainment all the time really distracts you from being like just one with like how it is just now, you know? Mm -hmm. So to Libra and me, uh, yeah. <laughs> to take both of you guys, yeah, yeah. I feel like with a lot of this sort of tension span aspect of, of entertainment, I, I feel pretty good about the fact that this is a challenge that, that long form media needs to really be able to adapt. Mm -hmm. And I feel pretty confident that this could be something that is either temporary or something that is going to be a, a change that we kind of need, you know? And, yeah. and I don't think that, Short firm, short, I mean, look at Quibi. Quibi didn't last very long, you know. Quibi was run. That's a off slam dunk. Face <laughs> That's a sl that gives me hope. Yeah. So yeah, I think that there. I think people yeah. might assume, like, oh, it's got to be short. That's that's the key to win. And I don't think that is the key to win. I think it's about being able mm. to catch your attention. And like you guys were talking at the top of the podcast, and being able to catch those first fifteen seconds, you have less time to catch people's attention. Yeah. But once you do, it definitely stays. You know, it definitely can stay longer, and it's just a little bit more rewarding that way. I always, mm. I, I think, like what always brings me back down. I always tell Brent about this, and is like, imagine if you were like a human in. I don't know, the early 1900s when the first like mo moving picture happened. Mm -hmm. That train's and coming at you. That train's coming at you and you're <laughs> screaming like hell. And imagine if that same person, you put them in now and they're the Netflix, they just see Netflix. And they're like, I want to see, I don't care what it is. <laughs> and imagine, and then us, we're just like scrolling through that shit like it's nothing. Yeah. Maybe like to me, like that means just take a step back. Remember to appreciate that, you know, like we have a wealth of shit out there. Yeah. And not to feel too terrible about it. Yeah, even you know? yeah, even to just take a different angle on that, I yeah. think we're all kind of the person in the audience watching the train come at us right now. <laughs> yeah. And I think what that train is yeah. is like this technological goddamn evolution going so much faster than we can even wrap our heads yeah, around. Yeah. And it's like how will you know, how will we adapt to it? I I'm hopeful that we that we will and that um, we're in this weird, messy phase where there's, mm. uh, you know, the a little bit of everything all of the time, the Bo Burnham, you know, line. Uh, and I don't know, it, it doesn't seem sustainable. <laughs> I'll yeah. just well, say so like I for me know. personally, like I've I've actively chosen not to be on Twitter. Like I'm not on Instagram as much anymore. I still go on Reddit, but I, I unsubscribe to a lot of things that I deem like very like, like, a, like just a, a huge bummer, you know, like just try to stay off of those things to kind of reduce the noise. And I mean, if I'm doing that, that means other people are doing that. So, you know, like it, mm -hmm. I, it, we, we can't say anyone's a monolith, you know, so yeah. We'll see. I guess we'll just have to see. <laughs> so someone's got to put, yeah, someone's got to put you know? like a tap on this, this information system, this output that we, that we have that's mm -hmm. never ending. Like I just, yeah, there, I feel like there will be controls in place at some point to assist in information overload you that mean, we're living in currently. You mean uh, people such like would you call them watchmen <laughs> per se to uh, to regulate? You know what? Yeah, right? to, to to pivot us back to talking about watchmen. I want to talk about the transformation sequence of uh, 
I am, why do I keep wanting to say Mr. Watchman? It's fucking Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Watchman himself. I only want to uh, call him Mr. Watchman. His, his dad was Mr. Watchman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mr. Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, Dr. Jesus Manhattan. Christ, he has a doctorate. God damn it, John. Uh, John. Um, yeah, because truly to me, like, I'll be honest, like when I was rewatching this movie, there were plenty of moments where I was kind of like bored watching it, honestly. And, um, and kind of going through the motions of like yeah i kind of mm. know what what's happening but dude yeah when that sequence hits and it's uh philip glass right the philip glass song plays it's like you could tell he was so fucking invested in that that segment and it's funny how it seems like directors have a lot of fun with dr manhattan because i think that's the best episode of the show not yeah. to spoil people who haven't seen it but dr manhattan's kind of reveal episode is like equally kind of magical and cool um but yeah, it's like kind of beautifully done the way that he's jumping through time the way. And it's kind of the the scene that like blew my mind when I first read the graphic novel of like jumping all over time because that's kind of how he experiences things. It's like nonlinear. Um, yeah, and it just seems like Slaughterhouse Snyder, Five shit. Yeah. Circle. Totally. Yeah, it's yeah. a total Billy Pilgrim shit. Um, yeah, that's totally why. That's why I love Slaughterhouse Five so much. Because I love that temporal shit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you could tell that Snyder's like super invested in in that that sequence. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Philip Glass because I totally forgot that was Philip Glass. That specific part is. Have y'all seen Kayana Scotzi? No, no, no. Oh, oh, man. talked about. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's it's essentially an hour and a half long music video. But Philip Glass does the score, and it's just all these. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, and it, that part in this specific segment is from Kayana Scotzi. Okay. And it's a part that I want to say is about like humanity. So every that's what I'm saying. Like Zack Snyder is, he can be so frustrating because he does things like that that are so deliberate and so like attention to detail, and then he'll miss the bigger picture. Like there's this, it's it's this is why it's so hard, so hard to hate him, but it's also so hard to like fully get on board with anything he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I think that just putting that, that in that specific spot and that whole, the whole like little montage of the story, putting that in the middle of the movie, I know it's in the middle of the graphic novel, but you come into this, especially someone who hasn't read the graphic novel, you have no idea why this guy is blue. You have no idea why this guy <laughs> is like there. He's in the 1920s pictures. And he's also in the 1960s pictures. Like how yeah. is he, you know, and being able to do that and have the exposition there so far into the film and it not feel like it's like rushing to explain everything, but you're seeing everything in pieces. It's, it's just a, uh, I think it's done as well as he could have at the time, you know? Which is why I, I, I still, like I said, I'm an apologist for this movie because I think while there are big glaring issues with it, I, I think that for what he did, it, it came out really well. And, you know, what you said about, about um, you know, we were talking about Gilliam earlier. Gilliam backed out of the project because he thought it should have been a miniseries, which is... Oh, which makes sense. Yeah. 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 yeah to imagine Terry Gilliam doing this would have been... That you is know, so weird. It, I think it would make sense. But yeah. <laughs> it'd be so much weirder. Also, Paul Greengrass was attached to it, which is Paul also Greengrass hilarious. Has been attached to so much weird <laughs> shit where you're like, "What is your take on that, Paul? That's a bad idea." I'd love to see, um, just like, <laughs> just yeah, shaking. just like you see, Doctor Manhattan in a frame is just like, 
<laughs> just shaking like insanely. Yeah. I was gonna do Dune at one point. Which Amazing! I, I just want to see Paul Greengrass do something crazy like that. So he has not done something crazy I like know. ever. That's why I he's done a lot of good it. stuff. Yeah, but like, like he hasn't Paul done anything like where you're like Paul. Like What's your take <laughs> on this, Paul? Well, he's always done ground grounded ass films, super fucking grounded. Mm-hmm. To, to, t- to think that he'd do Watchmen. Well, maybe it would work because like, it, you know, it, it is grounded. It, like, I guess Alan Moore's intent was the groundness of it. You take it that sugar, you know, it's all medicine at that point. Yeah. Yeah, probably. It'd be very documentarian, mm-hmm. very kind of like cold camera moves. And uh, yeah, it'd feel realistic, which I think would probably benefit certain aspects. Tom of Hanks is in it. Matt Damon. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Oh, you know what? That, I don't know why that made me think of of casting and what I thought. Another big thing, a, a big issue with this movie is, I, I'm sorry, Matthew Good, <laughs> but the guy playing Adrian, hmm. um, I forgot where I saw this, but somebody somewhere said, imagine this movie with Fassbender as, as Adrian. And that's like, that's immediately a better. You know, Tom Cruise wanted to be. Well, Wasn't that's just Indian? ironic. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> that is, that is so hilarious. did um, Jude Law. They were both gunning for the role. Jude Law. Oh, wow. Jude Law would do. Well. Jude Law yeah. would do good. I just think the intensity uh, of Fassbender would bring such yeah. a... Yeah. Because I, I that character needs so much weight, and he does not have a lot of screen time at all, mm. um, that that, as, that aspect of... And obviously, he's an important character, that that's kind of lacking throughout the movie for me. Christian Bale would have been fun. Male would have been American Psycho era Christian Bale. Mm, Yeah, Um, I want to see David Lynch do Watchmen. I just (laughs) think that would be. I want to see David Lynch do anything. (laughs) Get him off his Twitter, like weather weather stuff, and do something. He's. I mean, he's doing that uh, Hitman movie with Michael Fassbender right now. Yeah, like a black and white. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm thinking Mank. It's not black and white. Uh, Yeah, he's doing like a Hitman (laughs) Mank movie right now. Can't wait to see that. yeah. Is it going to be fucking weird? I need it to be fucking weird. We can hope, man. I don't know. Yeah, it feels like him season. going back to seven mode almost. Oh, really? But, I yeah. mean, we'll see what it is, I guess. We need to do a Lynch season. Yeah, we probably need to do a Lynch You season. haven't even seen Twin Peaks, Brent. I haven't. Highly you haven't recommend. Seen, it's so I've fu- only seen Mulholland. It's all yeah. worth it because the third season is a fucking masterstroke in, in media... Ever, that's it's what I heard. so fucking. It is insane, but it's so fucking good. It was apparently so good that a lot of the film blogs I followed uh, put the third season as like their best movie of yeah. the year. And <laughs> I was it, like, "What kind of ESPN fucking documentary series bullshit are you trying to pull here?" It's like you can't even watch the third season without seeing the f- first two and Firewalk with me. But it's like. Fucking getting through the shitty second season is worth like how good the, the third season. It'll happen, man. Maybe we just need to commit to Lynch so that we can do like an episode on each. Just season, watch the first maybe. episode of season one, see what happens. I've watched the first like four episodes of the show, oh, really? and then I kind of like. There's not any one thing that makes me turn it off, but I'm just kind of like. You got to get halfway through. I feel like the first okay. half, it's like it feels like a bad soap opera, but then like things start coming together. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but I, I get into like the humor of it. Like I, I understand. I feel like what he's doing in those episodes, but you're right. I just need to fucking double down. I watched the pilot and I was like, 
I I know I'm supposed to watch this. I just can't. And then I yeah. rewatched it a few years later. And like, oh okay. Also, just fell in love with Audrey hey, Horn. Hey, yeah, Audrey Horn is oh, so gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And Coop, Coop is so great. <laughs> I love him, dude. I mean, I just love that actor in anything. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll I'll yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyle Kyle McLaughlin McLaughlin. That's yeah. right. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't <laughs> get it off of Watchmen. Yeah. I don't know. Is, it, is there anything like you guys are like just begging to talk about about Watchmen? What else? What, what else have we the not music. brought up? I mean, we kind of each kind of yeah. brought like Philip Glass, but Bob Dylan is really prominent. I mean, mm-hmm. Desolation Row is a cover. MCR does a cover of Bob Dylan, but that was there's a lot of Dylan quotes in the graphic novel, and I think it's interesting. I mean, we we've talked a lot about, you know, Snyder's style, but was he a music video director or he was a commercial director? Commercial, I think, and music videos. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell, I mean, he essentially makes two hour trailers with his movies, you know, and I think those are always the strongest parts. I mean, the slow motion can get kind of old, but it's also still cool. And the way he uses music is just so fun. I, I just love you know, I, I love that, you know, his takes on things and, and when he adds certain music in, it's sometimes it's obvious and it's cliche, but it still like works. Yeah, mm. yeah it's a, it's effective. And and I, just to go back to something you just said, the two hour music video, boy, if that just doesn't sum up the season. Huh? <laughs> like we're talking to you guys who are so similar in their backgrounds and who have similar strengths and weaknesses. But I just think that... Uh, just to talk about like the intro to this movie is so he's so fucking good about setting up the, the world of his movies. Like he does this again with army of the dead, Mm. um, with a kind of that intro, the, the still like comic book panel shots. Yeah. 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 That kind of set up the, the, the characters and their backstories. He does the exact same thing here. Um, and it's really effective. I, I, and it's set to, to Bob Dylan. Yeah. The, and yeah, the montages are always like my favorite parts of the, the montage at the beginning of this. We kind of mentioned earlier with the Tom and Martha thing. Mm. Um, but like that whole telling of like the, the, the story of, of the original Watchmen and, and seeing, you know, play times are changing over it. Like it's so obvious, like, yeah, it's such a cliche thing to use, but it's still, I mean, it, it does what it's supposed it to do. Yeah. 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 For sure. Sometimes it's like the most obvious uh, thing to do is exactly why it's the most obvious thing to do because it works. I don't want to yeah. get on too much of a tangent, but I remember listening to Mike Judge talk about Beavis and Butthead writing for Beavis and Butthead and Baby Got yeah. Back had just come out. He's got this team full of writers from like Stanford and Harvard and they're like trying to think of these like very like clever quips and Mike just just yells out he's standing on a butt like why don't we just write that and that's what they ended up going with like sometimes it's the most obvious thing that that works and and it doesn't you don't have to think too hard about it and yeah I think Sire's good at that and it's just Mm. Yeah, that that story very much feels like the origin of the Silicon Valley <laughs> yeah. dick dick math joke. <laughs> yeah. Like the the yeah that whole thing of uh, <laughs> we're so fucking intelligent, but we're doing all of this math about this fucking dumb <laughs> dick thing. It's so funny. Yeah, sometimes um, you just get lost in the the details, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also like Snyder and Bay are two like yeah, I, music videos are marketing. Like, you know, it's like you obviously they have so much artistic merit and you can have so much 
license to be an artist in them, but you're selling something, right? Yeah. And they're obviously guys who did commercials too. And so it's, it's funny how both of them have these very commercial sensibilities where like Snyder wants to sell you on the movie, sell you on the, 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 the vibe and the aesthetic of the movie early on in a movie like this with the whole intro uh, Bay, you know, has things like that too. Sometimes it's, it's literally just putting a, a Bud Light ad in the middle of, of this two and a half hour Transformers movie. Um, so I, th- I think, yeah, us, us kind of calling out those moments too of like the, um, and I always love kind of like sneaky marketing shit, um, that kind of directors do. And these guys kind of sneak that stuff in too. So it's kind of cool to, to notice it. Well, we yeah. haven't really talked about Night Owl or uh, Silk Spectre, so I don't know. Like, yeah, because I mean, I, mean <laughs> I, I know that yeah. they're kind of like, you know, just kind of not as interesting as, uh, yeah, as the the other ones. That we're I, I will about, say but. Night Owl was the one I picked up more kind of about like about what he's about on the, on this viewing for sure. Um, yeah. Where it's like, I don't know if I picked up the weird, like, um, y- like he can't get hard when he's himself, <laughs> you know, but it's like when he's oh. doing, when he's, if, when he puts on the fucking Here mask, you just unlocked a whole chain of conversation <laughs> that I forgot that I wanted to bring. Oh up boy. Yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought Cause like, <laughs> I feel like more in his, in his like, interpretation of humanity is that it's all driven by sex. And so he exudes that within the base motivations of like every superhero here. All the watchmen. God, that is very true. Because like, <laughs> you know, you have like the lesbian one, right? And then you have like like they're they're like they're like more is is consistently pointing out sexuality with them. And especially when the comedian tries to rape um the Silk Spectre and the uh, the hooded guy with the the noose, yeah, I forgot hooded justice, justice. Right? Hooded justice. Yeah. He comes in, he starts being up the comedian. The comedian's like, "Does this get you hard?" And it's like he's not entirely wrong about what he's saying. Is like, like the guy probably just loves being people up, you know, and that's why he became like a superhero. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. like the captain, what's his name, Doctor Carnage, or whatever. When they were joking about him, how he's like, "Punish me." punish me like the sadomasochism of like <laughs> of these superheroes and saying like yeah their motivations are just based in sex you know and that's why like you know patrick wilson night owl couldn't get hard unless he could be like you know, yeah his, well even oh, even yeah. that is int- i didn't even think about this yeah. whole like sex component but it's like dr manhattan too yeah with like he is the most brilliant powerful human being if you can even call him that, like in the universe and like, he can't, well, he kind of can't like please his girlfriend, whether sexually or like on well, a relationship level. Care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's like his, his kind of like shortcoming, his kind of his issue. And then obviously Warshak with like his mom, how that's yeah. so ingrained in, in his, you and know, how trauma he, yeah, he doesn't even want to have anything to do with sex, mm-hmm. fornication or any of that. Yeah. So it's like a prevalent theme is like just physical intimacy in this film yeah yeah Yeah. and it's yeah and it seems like that's the type of stuff where r-rated if you want to call them that like comics and stuff have kind of taken a lot of the wrong lessons where it's not kind of digging into the trauma with that stuff it's just kind of like the the dressing of it like the Mm. aesthetic of it like 
to sell comics. Like here's mm. some sex and here's some violence and yeah. I mean, yeah, that's all great, right? Sex and violence go to, go together <laughs> so well, don't they? Um, that was another yeah. difference that they... I watched a, a YouTube video, and I can't remember who did it, about like the differences between the graphic novel and the movie. And uh, t- kind of to that same effect, when, when it comes to... like He can't get it up in the movie, and then he puts on... Like, and the key, they, they go out on like a, a spree to save those people in the building, yeah. kind of as like a because he was feeling impotent and he was feeling so low. Yeah. yeah. But there is an aspect in there. I don't know if this, if it's in the actual theatrical cut or if it's a director's cut where the original, um, owl guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, he, uh, gets beat up by a bunch of like, that's not in the theatrical. It's not. It's in the, so delete. I guess I have seen the dir- director's cut cause I've mm. seen that version. And uh, in the movie, it's played out where like he's ha- and so in the comic actually it's he's having these flashbacks to like when he was like young and beating these guys yeah. up, and but it's he's getting his ass kicked and he's like he's it's not even he's not even putting up a good fight but in his mind he's going back and there's that aspect of nostalgia and that's what's keeping him going that's why these people are still dressing up like vigilantes. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he's actually like putting up a good fight and he's actually like reliving his glory days physically and literally and. It mm. it kind of misses the the point of the original scene in the the, the graphic novel because the whole point is of, of like the graphic novel and in that sense is that these people are doing this thing they don't have to do these things they do them they they try to make this excuse like they're doing it for justice yeah. they're doing it for morality but no they're doing it because they need this in their life they're doing it for the nostalgia yeah. they're doing it to like feel better about themselves and and that's why the whole you know him not being able to get it up is just it just completely misses the mark mm. um but yeah i think that, that kind of goes with what you're saying about like you know sex as a um as a metaphor in, in a way for you know what drives these people to do these things that they do mm. and i think like uh i i hope that he i hope that i don't know if if he did in the graphic novel but there is that kind of like nice like kind of moment with dr manhattan and um silk specter when he talks about miracles the whole like you know she was brought out of like contradictions and yeah you know her mom still had consensual sex with with the with the comedian which just just seems so odd given the circumstances but out of the chaos brought like you know this human being and saying that there is more to it than just sex, you know, there's more, there is something more behind it than just the very base levels of, of yeah. sexuality, that there is like humanity here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, and that's why I really love that scene, like I, between Dr. Manhattan and Silk Spectre was that moment with John, yeah. even though I had like some reservations about John this time around, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, um, What's the actor who played Billy Crudup yeah. plays him? Mm-hmm. He is uh he's fucking great in this movie. I th- I think he's maybe the best, except the guy who plays comedian's great. Yeah, um, Je- Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Morgan, yeah. The guy from fucking Walking Dead, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, Negan. He's Negan, right? Yeah, I didn't Negan. get to those episodes. He's also in uh one of the what's that movie? The the losers, you guys see that movie? Boy, <laughs> what a end pull. Of it. <laughs> I, I was hey, gonna uh, say he's uh the hey. Winchester dad. <laughs> On Supernatural. <laughs> what? The Losers, Quentin Tarantino said he liked that movie. It was dumb fun. 
And I, I agree with him. It's dumb fun. <laughs> well, that was in this era, right? And it's kind of a, it's a, mm. like a graphic novel, not about superheroes, but about like the guys, these, these guys aren't superheroes. They're, <laughs> they're the losers. They're yeah. just like, that's kind of its vibe, right? Yeah. It was a fun movie. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's not good or anything, but like you see, you see, um, why can't Captain America in it? And he, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Chris, He's in that? Yeah. Chris yeah, Pine. Chris. Zoe Saldana is in it. Mm-hmm. Idris Elba is in it, I think. I don't. Or I'm thinking of another movie. Now, before there. all of them became like yeah. huge, <laughs> got like it, it sucked <laughs> into the MCU. Like it was a fucking. Uh, the Losers was a comic book. All right. Yeah. It had That's Zero, what I was thinking. Yeah. Zoe Saldana is it? Chris Evans and Idris Elba. Yeah. Huh. There you go. Wow. Damn. Yeah, like literally right before the MCU swallowed them all whole and just was like, you are all a part of uh, this organism now. You cannot make weird things like the losers And DC has swallowed Idris Elba into it now? Yeah, he's He's an MCU. He's an oddly small, he's a a Thor guy. He's the the guy who guards. Yeah, but he's also in Suicide Squad now. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, as not Will Smith. Yeah, this guy, not the same guy. Not the same guy. guy. (laughs) It's not the same guy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. What are, you want to do final thoughts? What else haven't we talked about here? I'm trying to just think. Silk Spectre real quick, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she was given short shrift in the graphic novel itself and equally so in this movie. She's not, uh, you know, given too much. Malin Ackerman, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I will. Oh, you know what? Hey, real quick. I, I put this in my notes, too. Real quick, Carla Gugino appreciation corner. Hey, uh, yeah. she's the best. She's so fucking Spy good. Spy kids, like everything. great. Spy kids. Uh, son in law. Son in law. I didn't see that one, but the 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 Stephen King one where she's she's trapped on the bed. Oh, oh, uh, that one's great. Yeah, uh, that one's so good, and she's great. What's the name of that? Oh my god. I feel so bad that I can't rattle off like half a dozen Carla Gugino. No, and she's on all of the um. The haunted the how oh fuck what are they called the Netflix how you say uh, your last name haunted Gugino yeah because Michael what's his name F- not Flaggerty Michael Jesus Christ the guy who did uh, the Shining sequel he made all those Netflix uh, limited series like uh, House on Haunted Hill but not called that uh, I don't even, I don't think Haunted Hill name. House or whatever yeah she's in both seasons of that um, y'all know what I'm talking Gerald's about Gerald's Game like Gerald's Game yeah. Gerald's Game yeah she's, she's great yeah. she's great um, my introduction here was son-in-law with Polly Shore uh, wow who's she in that she's the main character holy shit really she's, I didn't see uh, that one I guess I forgot her name she's in, in Sin City too. oh that's right oh, yeah that's right yeah she's yeah I guess, she's a real uh she's a Korean Zach because she's also in um sucker punch sucker punch so right. she, yeah, yeah yeah she's she's a, a she's in Donna Justice as a voice she's she's really underrated and I think yeah. I yeah. I have a little bit of of uh, PTSD with her because I <laughs> was this close to getting first place in a trivia the, the draft house and that was when there was like 20 teams three-way tie for first and they had to think of like a random tiebreaker question. They showed a clip from Watchmen and they're like, name either an actress in this or a name of the character in this. And for some stupid reason, there's another actress named Carla Gallo who was in a bunch of Apatow movies. Oh. I said, Carla Gallo. And they're like, who the fuck is that? And then oh. someone next to me, Carla Gugino. And I'm like, oh, oh God damn it. I knew her name. Oh, I just damn. said the wrong one. But That's she's great. Sense. I think it's she's awesome. And. And yeah, I think yeah. she's good in here too. I think she's really good in uh, in Watchmen. Mm. 
Uh, Mike, I just remember the director's name. Mike Flanagan is the guy who did uh, uh, the sequel to The Shining, which I'm already forgetting the name of with uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, Doctor um, Sleep. Doctor Sleep, yeah. yeah. And he did those uh, Netflix uh, horror shows that are both fucking great and like give her a lot to work with. And it made me happy to be like, oh yeah, Gugino like, has like, She's like in like almost every episode. Yeah, I really like sing lot. it though when you say it. Got a good gene. No, there you go. There you go. I did the hands and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think she's Spanish. I think she. I think it's the Spanish. Can she oh, speak really? Spanish? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, she was born in Florida, so there, there you go. Maybe she's Cuban? she's Italian descent. Oh, yeah. okay. Never mind. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she's great. She's always great. Um, she got some good like old age makeup in here. Um, sells yeah. it pretty well. Um, I think. yeah, real golden girl vibes there. <laughs> golden girl vibes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Is Melon Ackerman a good actress? Like, God, what else is she, <laughs> what else is she in? Cause I can't, uh, Heartbreak that Kid. Bins, yeah, that Ben's yeah, That was the first thing I ever saw her in. Oh boy. Rock of Ages. She's having sex in a lot of her movies. It's just something I realized recently. <laughs> I mean, you know, no uh, one's <laughs> complaining. She's in Wanderlust. Um, I think she was in 27 Dresses with Catherine Heigl. I think she's like her sister. Uh, she has wow. a big filmography. Big Ackerman head over here. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I was just thinking about it because I was, when I was rewatching this, I'm like, I can't, there's sex not, in a lot of her movies. Yeah. She was in The Sleepover. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she was in, let's see, Rampage. I didn't see that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's, uh, she's the love interest, I think, in that. I didn't see that movie, but really? I heard. Huh. About she that. was in 27 Dresses, yeah. Wow. <laughs> she was in Harold and Kumar. She played one Castle. of the dresses, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's She's number 25. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel like she, I don't want to say she doesn't say no to anything, but I, I, I don't want to say she's a bad actress. I feel like she doesn't, she plays a lot of roles that like are kind of one dimensional. And I feel like yeah. Silk Spectre yeah. definitely, like you said, kind of gets the shaft in here. You look, you look yeah. at like her 2000s. Stint and it's kind of like, you know, you have Brother Solomon, Heartbreak Kid, Heavy Petting, Twenty Seven Dresses, The Proposal, Couples Retreat. Boy. You know, like those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, just kind of get lost in the wilderness. Maybe there. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she definitely wasn't. She's like she func. She's functional in this. Like she's, yeah. she's all right. Yeah, but she's the characters like, like kind of how much yeah. Good. It's definitely just kind of. She's definitely just like. The your mom is like your big, you know, like you are the way you are because of your mom, and that's kind of all she's, you know, given to work with here. Yeah, and all she knows is is heroes. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's her whole friend group. Opens up Facebook and it's just like Night Owl and the yeah. comedian. Yeah, just the fact know. that she's Silk Spectre two. Yeah, she's the <laughs> sequel to her mom. Yeah, outside of being like just her just her mom's child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she's mostly here for like exposition it feels like it's it's kind of like i don't want to call her a mcguffin but like <laughs> she kind of drives the story but she's not really like a person yeah yeah, yeah. exactly that's, sorry that's there's the a cat comic there's books. a cat in the background and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah she's uh she's in quarantine she doesn't want to be in there not an ackerman yeah. fan apparently yeah <laughs> not, not an, ackerman fan. an acker fan acker stan <laughs> um yeah eric but i mean i guess we're there man what are your kind of final thoughts on this movie um it's uh yeah what are your final thoughts i guess um no i think uh you know i i when i rewatched it f- to talk about it i hadn't seen it in a while 
And I remember liking it a lot. I still like it a lot, but there are just things that in knowing what I know about like the comics and watching all like and um, analysis of, of both the movie and, and the graphic novel. Um, it, like I said, it does miss out on a lot of big things, but in itself on its own, like if you treat it not as an adaptation, which doesn't make sense because it's clearly an adaptation and it tries so hard to make an adaptation. I think it's, it's good for what it is, you know, uh, taking it as an adaptation, that's where you kind of run into some issues, but you know, as a superhero movie, especially in 2009, I, I think it, it still holds up in that sense. It's still fun to watch. It's still cool to watch. This is definitely something that like, you know, you want to turn the lights off and like watch and like the mm-hmm. biggest screen you have, you know, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the music's great. But yeah, overall, I still I still enjoy it, but I, I definitely am a little bit more you know critical of it, a little bit more analytical of it now. But I think it, it at least starts those questions, and it definitely I hope it opens up people to the show because the show I think is just a masterclass, and it's not even an adaptation really, but a sequel. Mm-hmm. This is just the, the way you know things are kind of done now, you know. Yeah, for sure. I uh yeah, I mean I definitely had a different take on it on this movie uh this this watch and it, that that happens after you see a movie over a decade after you first yeah. saw it and the first time you saw it was when you were a a, a teen basically. Uh, or no, I mean we were 19, I guess. We came out in 09. Yeah, a teen. But I mean yeah, pretty much a pretty teen. Pretty much. Uh still uh but uh yeah, I mean I was definitely kind of seeing kind of the issues I guess that I had with it this time, but um and it kind of dragged a little bit in parts, but I, I still think that, uh, you know, as an adaptation of the graphic novel, um, I think it's like pretty fucking close to, I don't know, kind of as, as good as you can do it basically. Um, and yeah. And like, I think what you said, Adam, about kind of like putting the sugar on the medicine, especially for this era of superhero movies, uh, that really kind of helps me make a little more sense of kind of those kind of glorified like boy Rorschach's he's pretty fucking cool right yeah. like that's kind of like what I thought about on those sequences mm. like like is a teen guy directing this movie but uh <laughs> but I you know and that's kind of the season I guess but um but no I mean it's like uh, what's happening right now like it's D- Zack Snyder makes some pretty fucking beautiful movies. And, uh, you know, I think we got to give a shout out to Dave Gibbons, who's the artist, right. Mm. Of the, the graphic novel. Um, I mean, he used his art as, as, uh, concept art for the, the movie. And it, I think really helps, uh, the visuals. And, and I think overall, like he really kind of nails the, the general, uh, story of the, of the comic and the, the really bummer payoff, uh, even if the, the actors maybe aren't as, as, as good as they could be. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's pretty good. It's not my favorite Snyder. I'm curious to see where it'll fall in the rankings at the end, but, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, definitely a, a good rewatch for sure. Uh, I guess like if I were to do this as a restaurant, Oh boy. Here we go. Oh man. Um, it's like imagine if you, you go you go you're back at Snyder's Steakhouse again Snyder's and he's, he's he's trying to serve you up something that uh he's trying he's trying to serve you up a a a novel like he's he, like he's like you literally have read this novel before like it's a literal novel and he's like I'm going to make that into a steak for you <laughs> and and you eat the steak and you're like, this is really, this tastes really good, but it just doesn't feel like the novel. 
And he's like, well, what do you expect? It's, it's a, a steak. <laughs> <laughs> Two different mediums <laughs> but, for consumption. But, it, but it's, it's made medium rare and it's good. You see what I did there? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, but but like you still eat the steak and it's, it's still good and you know maybe there's a little a little bit of nuance in that steak and you you learn a little bit about the morality in that literature that you put up but it's never going to be like that book that you read yeah you know um but yeah I mean like I think I think like y'all said I think that oh, real quick the, can I just add on yeah go ahead and the and the author of the novel he's not going anywhere fucking near. Yeah. Snyder Steakhouse. He hates it. <laughs> he hates that his written words are being turned into food. <laughs> he thinks he, you know, you can you can fucking read my shit. You don't need to, you know, it doesn't need to be a, a fucking a steak for you to consume it. Just read it as it was. And the, like, the best way to do it. And that guy's kind of an asshole. A little bit of an asshole. <laughs> He's a wizard now. He's, <laughs> he's selling wands over there at a yeah, fucking Diagon really, Alley. A really smart anti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like the fucking fucking like homeless Hagrid is what he's like. <laughs> but, but continue. Sorry. Yes, uh, but yeah, it's like you, it, it. It's it's just like you guys said. Um, it's the best that it could have been done for a movie at its time. And I think it's the best that a movie could be done um, from now on, unless someone actually wants to take a stab at it. I mean, like you probably could do it now, honestly, but I don't know if anyone would want to do it without making it into a mini series. I think that's why Lindelof made, yeah, and made it a sequel. He was like, I don't want to deal with the same baggage that they had to deal with, with the show. So I'm going to do something after that. And deals with a lot of the kind of baggage left over after this movie, which I think was was smart of him. Yeah, mm. it's like a I like to the with, to go with your food metaphor. It's like a like world class chef made this recipe, and Guy Fieri was like, you know, what would be dope if we had some nachos to this, Hell and yeah. everyone <laughs> loves the nachos, but it completely gets rid of the taste of the original, but you can still kind of taste it. Yeah. I think uh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It's, yeah. it's ratatouille, and then he's like nachos, nacho ratatouille, and you're like these ratatouille nachos are like pretty good. <laughs> like I can't believe they're executed this well. <laughs> but it wasn't the intent of the ratatouille. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I don't know how how anyone would take this if they hadn't seen it back then. Uh, that's my biggest thing. I don't know. Or aren't familiar with the graphic novel. Yeah. Or like, I wonder, yeah. I wish I had saw the director's cut. I didn't, but, um, I'm sure it's better. Everyone says it's, it's way better than the theatrical cut. Mm. Uh, but I, you know, like, you know, this, this movie still holds a nice place in my, my filmography heart. And I yeah. definitely don't hate it, but is it my favorite Snyder? I, no, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on again, oh, Eric. Yeah, oh, thanks this for This is a really good talk, on. man. We got in some really cool shit. I think. This is a lot of fun. Uh, check out cover stories. I don't think there will be a deeper uh, kind of bigger talk until we get to, I don't know, Bad Boys 2 next week. And then Hell we yeah, really dude. get into kind of some uh, psychosexual 
uh, underpinnings on hey, that franchise. Hey, we were talking about nihilism. If there's any more nihilist thing. And we're Henry, yeah, right into Bay, uh, yeah. the biggest nihilist director. He's basically maybe, the comedian. You know, put a pin in that, Adam. That's good. <laughs> That's a good take, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for being on, man. Do you got any plugs? Yeah, check out check out cover stories. Mm-hmm. We're uh, starting our season. Um, for those who haven't listened, Brent is on an episode. We yeah, talk about uh, Jamaica, aka Dire Maker by Led Zeppelin, <laughs> Cheryl Crow's cover of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we put it every Tuesday. Yeah. And I guess besides that, uh, the patreon.com slash Delphin Pod. Go there for a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Manuel and I have been, been recording some like top fives. Of course, the sex scene's happening when, when we're wrapping this up, <laughs> yep. when we're finishing. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's some cool you know, trivia stuff. Uh, obviously, the, the Star Wars book club is, is starting again. Babu's book club, it's back. Bob, uh, I, I <laughs> am so excited. Oh, Adam's more excited I than anybody. So uh, yeah, we're going to be talking the Rising Storm, yeah. uh, Higher Public, uh, kind of phase two, I guess. Um, so yeah, go check that stuff out. And Brent and I will be... We'll have a bonus episode. Oh, yeah. Adam and I are going to have... Yeah. Uh, maybe by the time you guys hear this, this is going to be coming out in... Wow. Actually, we're recording this one actually pretty far in advance. I'll just say it'll be out yeah, by, be. by the time people hear this one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and stick around for uh, Bad Boys 2. Maybe Bad Boys 1 also. Oh, we didn't, should we announce what we're going to... I mean... Well, I, I, got my, I got my fucking... I got the picture right here, man. What? It's fucking... It's fucking sick. You, you have a picture? Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about like our bonus I mean, episode. The oh, oh I'm on sorry, the Patreon. Yeah, I mean it's, it's out. Our Mass Effect. Oh yeah, our Mass Effect. Our big yeah. six hour. Yeah, it's gonna cover all three. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna. Yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna break it up. We'll probably just talk all. I three. think it'll, we'll probably just do a big. Yes, yeah, Adam big and Brent talk Mass Effect. Uh, six that, hour that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh and yeah, stick around uh, next week for for Bad Boys 2 with uh I don't know, maybe a guest. We'll see. Yeah. So uh yeah, later. Bye. Bye.